If you are a Braveheart, the next hour is just for you. Welcome to Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold. In this program, you'll learn who the Bravehearts are and connect with them to help change the world. By doing so, you'll be changed for the better. Now, here's your host, Brian Reinbold. And welcome, Bravehearts. Uh, you're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned into voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're going to talk about the evolution of social media. Uh, I think that'll be a, a terrific topic uh, and expect the hour to fly by. If you want to connect with us, check out our sponsor website. That's uh, braveheartsforkids.org. You can email me at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. And be sure to connect with us on social media, too. Like and follow us on Facebook, uh, Bravehearts for Kids Facebook, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Our guest today is J.D. Gershwine. And I'm going to tell, you know, I always start with a story, and I'm going to tell the story about the connection that J.D. and I made. And I have, in the past oh, a year or so, I've gotten more active on the LinkedIn social media platform. And through my work with the National Speakers Association, the one of the things that that came across to me was... You don't have to be an expert at all of it, but try to try to get good at one thing. And so I thought, well, LinkedIn is the one that uh, seems to be the one uh, I want to uh, try to get good at. And so I started, uh, if I found something that I really liked and I thought was uh, a good idea, I would pass that along. I would... Uh, I would share that, and I, I didn't have a whole lot of ideas of my own to share until we started putting the show together, and then we, we put together the um, uh, the uh, uh, information about the episodes on the show. And so, uh, uh, I guess several weeks ago now, I was uh, I, I was uh, had the opportunity to connect with uh, JD, and uh, uh, when I when I re- asked him to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, he connected back he responded and, and he he asked me a question he asked uh, what how would you feel about having a phone conversation and so since that time what I've been doing with uh, with the LinkedIn contacts is in, instead of just chalking it up as uh, hey you're number 841 842 etc what I've been doing is I've been I've been telling people you know I uh, I, I, I hear so often now that we have more contacts uh, than uh, more connections than ever before, but that they lack depth. And I'm seeking to change that. And uh, would you be interested in having a phone conversation sometime in the next couple of weeks? And I've had one or two, normally, one or two conversations per week because of that. And they've been outstanding. It's been a terrific opportunity to uh, deepen connections with people and find out what really makes them makes them go. And we've uh, we've actually lined up uh, several opportunities for uh, for the uh, Bravehearts radio program going into the next year because of connections that we've made like that on LinkedIn. And so uh, my guest today is uh, is my inspiration for for this thought, JD Gershbein. So welcome, JD. Well, Brian, is this the place where I say good to be here? I think I think so. Yeah. Uh, Can I officially you, I, say I'm happy to be here? Outstanding. Glad glad to hear that. You know, um, 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm well, glad. Thank that you for you're the here. nice lead up. I thank you for the nice lead up. I wanted to just add um, that really right there is a microcosm of what we would call uh, an evolution of sorts of social yeah. media, it, moving from this this uh, this labyrinth of technology into creating our own pathways and, and kind of forging our own inroads into making it real and bringing the online world into the physical world. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, way of putting it because we, you know, and, and it, I think it really hits home for me, especially that the idea that we have more connections than ever before. And somebody said, uh, uh, you know, I, I hear people say, oh, "I've got you know six. They, you know, you got to get so and so on. They got sixty thousand connections. They got a, a million. You know, they got one point eight million connections. Like, you, you don't have that many friends. I I, I remember uh, Robin Dunbar's work. The uh, uh, oh, I can't think of what they call it now, but it's the the idea that uh, you only have a certain number of people that you can actually have a relationship with at any given time." And beyond that, you have uh, friendly acquaintances, perhaps. But um, uh, you know, Dunbar's number is something like a hundred. Maybe that's what they call it. Dunbar's number. It's 150 people. And so, some organizations build their campuses so that they only have 150 people in that in that area because people really can only have a certain number of actual uh, relationship-like interactions with other people. Do, do you? Um, yeah, what, you know, I think that, there's how, some yeah. credence to that. Um, I, if we expand the use of the 10% of the brain rule into social mm-hmm. networks, if one were to only use or leverage or pay attention to 10% of their networks, uh, when you consider how many people we've brought into our networks and how many people lay on the periphery who aren't formally part of a social network with us, yeah. I mean, yeah, the ratio is very small, and it, it really does shine light on how we've uh, done this thus far as a species. When we were given this technology, we, we did what we thought we had to do. We, we, we learned it to a certain point. We uh, accepted invitations from others. We extended invitations to others. We built our own professional community on LinkedIn Mm-hmm. And then if you were to extrapolate that into the world of Facebook and Twitter, people have built uh, con- uh, con- contingencies and, and tribes into the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, uh, yeah. quarter million followers on Twitter, et cetera. I mean, what, you're right. What do you do with these people? What, uh, how can they be uh, mobilized for the greater good? Um, yeah. Very tough challenge, and, and I think that's the next piece. The next great piece is just finding ways to simplify this, making it um, more palatable, uh, decreasing the wear and tear and the heavy lifting, and just getting into situations like this where there's an opportunity or an end game, and both parties are systematically moving each other toward that end game. And, and mobilizing uh, for the greater good, that's a terrific phrase because that's, a, that's really the opportunity that we have here to, to change the world and to connect with people. And I, I find the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets. How about that? Yeah, just um, you know that I grew up in 
uh, in North Dakota, which you know people don't think of North Dakota as as being very diverse, and of course it's not. Uh, you know, it's uh, it it's uh, settled uh, by the uh, the Germans and the the Norwegians, so a very northern European heritage there, along with the uh, uh, the remnants of the Sioux uh, that uh, uh, that are uh, the indigenous people of the area. Uh, but when I when I was a kid, my dad was a college teacher. And uh, we, he taught at a small town in Valley City, North Dakota, and about 7,000 population for the whole town. About 1,000 of those were college students. And they came from, some of them came from all over the world. And because my dad taught geography, I got to meet people from all over the world you know, by the time I got out of high school, because they weren't really exchange students, there was nobody going to uh, Gambia or Greece or India, but they had people coming from, uh, students coming from those areas that were all over the world that uh, that came, and we were the host family for them. So, uh, you know, the, sure. the, the, I find the more you talk with people, the more, the, the smaller the world gets, and it happens all the time. Valid point, uh, and the key is to start talking to people. Again, yeah. another piece of this chronology and this timeline is that sometimes we forget that these names and headshots of people that we're seeing on a daily basis on our social networking sites are actually connected to real human beings and have uh, uh, feelings and intellect and emotions and uh, who knows what lies on the other side of a greeting. Uh, yeah. When one party is more proactive than the other, things can start to happen. And in the story that you were telling at the outset, Brian, I'm, I've always been that more proactive sort. I, mm-hmm. I'm the one who doesn't let people sit. I, 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 I want to make them accountable for connecting with me on a site like LinkedIn, which is a professional network, the mm-hmm. de facto professional network. Uh, why otherwise are we connecting? Uh, yeah. Are we going to just sit in each other's directories and, and just stare at each other for the next decade? Well, if, if you don't know what's at the other end, that's what truly happens. And what, what we're seeing is that more people who are making an effort to learn about the people in their network, the people that they've brought into their community, they can expect results. They can expect positive change. And they can truly move the needle in their businesses because they're doing what they need to do, and that is build equity into each relationship and just see where it goes. Yeah, building equity into the relationship. That's a uh, that's a, 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 a business-like way of saying that you're you're uh, you're you're deepening the connection, and you're True. you're, uh, and you're on, finding on out the other sites you. Sometimes on the other sites, you don't see that because yeah. Facebook is uh, a little bit more personalized. Uh, Twitter certainly satisfies our, our need for incessantly communicating with people. And things like uh, Pinterest and Snapchat and Instagram, these are, these are very visual uh, platforms that are just designed to drive home a, a, a visual image or a, a piece, a, a little crystal uh, and I think that each serves their own purpose. It kind of keeps us connected uh, to the community, the fabric of the community. And um, But on LinkedIn, which has been my space really since 2006, a space that I'd like to think I've owned uh, mm-hmm. and, and have had a hand in bringing forward, um, uh, that's how it's truly leveraged. Yeah, and LinkedIn is, uh, well, you know, LinkedIn is your specialty. 
and uh, isn't that right? Uh, it, uh, you're it you're is. the uh, you're, you're the, uh, the you know, I don't know about the godfather of LinkedIn, but you're don't say it, don't you're, say you're, it, don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> don't say guru. Whatever you do, what? Don't, don't say don't, guru. Don't whatever say, you do, don't say guru. <laughs> I remember talking Please to this fellow about six years ago, and uh, and at, at the time I was asking about you know hey, you know are you uh, I've heard that you're a you're a social media expert, and he said he said you know what there's no such thing as a social media expert. It changes too fast, and I thought. I thought, you know what? You sound like a guy I could work with because that had credibility to me, you know. Um, well, it, but, it um, not only changes too fast, but it, it um, if you say to someone out of the first person that you're an expert, first of all, you sound like a pompous ass. If I were to say to you, <laughs> hey, Brian, I am a social media expert, you would think I was very full of myself and you would probably run as fast as you could the other way. However... When you state that you're an expert, you kind of imply that you're done learning. And I'm a lifelong learner. And if I'm going to be a guest on a program like yours and talk about the evolution of social media, evolution implies that there's something on the other side that uh, I know nothing of. And that I'm waiting to see as much as anyone as to what happens and, and what the curtain will unveil and what's the next great phase of this or, or what's the next new innovation or big idea that helps us kind of harness the power of this medium and, and move forward as a species. So I, think, I never yeah, self-declare that I'm an expert ever. That's my job. I'll tell, tell people the JD is the expert, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. Uh, we're going to come back with uh, with a whole bunch more about uh, the evolution of social media. Uh, but uh, right now, it's about time to take uh, our first break. So we'll be back with you on the other side of sixty seconds. Stick with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian 
His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today we're talking about the evolution of social media with my guest, J.D. Gershbein. Uh, if you want to connect with us, uh, check out our sponsor website, braveheartsforkids.org, uh, Bravehearts uh, uh, spotlighthope.org is the uh, flagship service of the uh, Bravehearts for Kids organization. You can email me at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org, especially if you have a, a great story about something that inspires you, someone that inspires you, because we're putting together ideas for shows uh, going into next year. And um, um, like and follow us on uh, Facebook, uh, Bravehearts for Kids, and connect with me on LinkedIn. We're talking with J.D. Gershbein about LinkedIn in particular and the evolution of social media. I have to, you know, I have to go back to the idea of uh, evolution. And when people hear the word evolution, a lot of times they do hear that uh, they, that, that little thing in the in the mind clicks and says survival of the fittest. And survival of the fittest is a, is uh, in in my mind it's it's not the fittest. I think what what I've uh, what I've come to understand is that evolution involves the uh, survival of the most adaptable, and perhaps that's the, the that's that's what we're looking for. That's what we're seeking in the evolution in uh, in our social media and our communications. And what during the break we were talking just a little bit about how uh, ten years ago people weren't walking around with smartphones. And what is it that's 10 years from now that, um, that is on the horizon for uh, the connectivity in social media and, and with people? What, it, any, any ideas, uh, thoughts on that, J.D.? Hey, your guess is as good as mine. And it, what I'm noticing is that innovation is not pacing with lifestyle. We are out innovating ourselves, and the technology just doesn't seem to be able to match the collective learning curve, and we have a tough time catching up. Uh, when you talk about adaptation, which is a term I love, if anything, Brian, I've been a study in continuous adaptation. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people when I, when I begin my, my keynotes and, and breakout sessions that things changed for me the moment I sent my first email. Because once I sent that, once I put that out there, it was not business as usual for me. It was not business as usual for the human race. When you think about how you bought your first computer and what we did when we set it up and Mm -hmm. the archaic form of of the social networks back then, uh, before there was LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc., we had MySpace. Um, Mm -hmm. My first exposure to social media was with a website called classmates.com. I'm not sure if anybody in in your audience remembers classmates.com, but you were at the mercy of finding people who also knew about it, and most people I knew weren't on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I wasn't a rock band, so I I wasn't on MySpace. So the wedding of my appetite really occurred when I saw sites like Facebook and LinkedIn in their crude forms and then saw how far we had come in 
um, in less than a decade to get those sites going uh, from from where we were when I first saw social media sites. So I think just that chronology right there and watching the milestones and, and seeing how we could build these networks full of people we knew, some we didn't know, uh, communicate with them through this interactive space, which was just jarring in its coolness as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the ability to... Uh, to, to obliterate long-distance phone rates now. <laughs> yeah. You don't have long-distance phone plans anymore. You, you pick up your cell phone and, and you, you dial people, you text people, you're communicating with them. And yeah. really, when you look at it in terms of adaptation, all these social networks are, are communication platforms, just people talking. Now, social networks are unique in the communication spectrum because they're they're on technology driven scalable internet platforms i mean the internet one of the greatest inventions ever conceived by man and now it's got to be harnessed of course but you have uh, different modes of communication you've got one to one one way and two way communication uh, one person to one person one person to many you've got many to one person and you've got many to many so mm-hmm. you've got four modes of communication within a single channel, which is yeah. in and of itself quite an innovation. But the way that we've adapted, and again, we're just not pacing well with the technology. It's just getting too fast and too good and too complex. And it, it's like the old joke about walking into your uh, your cell phone store and and the salesperson will tell you all of the great things that this phone does and you just want to know if it makes and takes phone calls. Yeah, it also takes phone calls, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's where I think this is heading. There's got to be some kind of learning curve shortening between what's going out there, what we're actually able to do on these platforms, because the tech, uh, technology people, people who are very well acculturalized to to the the, the devices and the gadgets and the processes, they understand it. They know it. They, they know it like the back of their hand. And many people don't. Yeah. They're Do you just think that, slow to respond, slow to catch up. Do you think that there will be a, um, uh, you know, a, a swing, a pendulum swing uh, back toward uh, more of an analog uh, way of doing doing things, you know, walking indoors and shaking hands and doing, doing things like that? Or, um, or is that just a, um, an anachronism at this point? Well, I think the habits are firmly ingrained, Brian. I, I don't uh-huh. think there's any going back. I, I think that too many people are uh, too, uh, too entrenched and too absorbed in this, this new way of doing things, these emerging technologies, these disruptive technologies. And now they're looking to disrupt the, the disruption and, and bring in new things that I, ideally will be easier I think we now have to find a way to be better at all of this because we've seen the toll that these devices take on our attention spans, mm-hmm. on our ability to communicate, on our ability to feel alienated or disenfranchised with other parts of society. And, that, and that's a negative. As a social scientist, I pay attention to that kind of thing uh, because we all know that people are self-absorbed and head down on their phones in public. And 
for every argument that it has taken us away from the human element of interaction, it's also forged other areas for us. It's, it's mm-hmm. brought us together with things that have meant a lot to us in our lives. It, it's, it's fed our, our insatiable urge for nostalgia and, and going back and um, reconnecting with the important people of our youth. Yeah. Um, it, it's helped people celebrate milestones. It's, it's, it, it's had tremendous um, uh, advantages in, in treating dementia and Alzheimer's by giving people facial recognition modes uh, to, to, to see the people that, uh, that are important in their lives. Uh, but there have also been other issues, uh, personality disorders, depression, uh, social anxiety disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. These are things that kind of give social media a bit of a bad name. So we just have to, I believe, and this will be going on for generations after we've left the earth, we have to find ways to, again, harness the technology, make it work for everybody, give, give people that level playing field where they can accomplish things in their life, where they can uh, keep engaged with people longer and better uh, and in more productive ways. Wow. It's, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an amazing amount of, of opportunity for, um, for, for good with this. And, uh, and, and yet there's, uh, there's a danger involved with, you know, because you, the, all the different uh, areas that you mentioned all the way from treating uh, Alzheimer's and dementia to, uh, uh, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, the narcissistic behavior, you know, the, all of the different things that, that um, I suppose just all the aspects of humanity is part of this uh, because, um, because it's, it, it, it's part of who we are. We also have to be very virtuous in the way we impart this to younger people. Uh, I remember when my daughters were in middle school years ago, when social media was really just starting to turn the corner. And I remember my, uh, my, my one daughter brought home the form that we had to sign, which is very commonplace today, which uh-huh. stipulated that the school was going to go out of its way and, and teach my daughter best practices in using the Internet, safe use of the Internet. Uh-huh. So therein, again, another future challenge. We have to make this seem right and be right for our young people, our sons and daughters, our nieces, our nephews. Uh, We have to give them the ability to find themselves a place in society uh, through good use of the Internet because we have seen how use of the Internet positively changes lives. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn has any number of, of ways that it can positively change lives, including getting people jobs and filling salespeople's pipelines and mm-hmm. uh, helping companies get their message across to a, an ever-expanding audience. So uh, these are the areas we have to focus on, uh, making people safer in their cars and not having to worry that the person behind them coming up to the stoplight is texting. Yeah, still on and, their phone, yeah. And, right. and, and, really, and, and really just kind of making sure that this works for everybody because, as mm-hmm. to go back to my earlier point, the habits are ingrained. I, I don't think there's any turning back, do you? 
No, I don't think so. You know, you reminded me of the idea that uh, at one time, I don't suppose that there was a motion picture rating association or rating guide, but now we have all of the different uh, uh, ratings and and the reasons for the ratings, like, uh, uh, you know, like uh, uh, nudity or drug use or violence or strong, whatever the the thing that caused something to be a PG or an R rated. And I imagine that's uh, when you talk about the the schools and their... uh, uh, helping to protect young people and they're getting into the use of the internet, that may be part of it too. Um, I don't, is, is there a rating most guide definitely. for the, the internet now? Um, like, like for motion uh, pictures? Most definitely. Yeah. Well, not that I know of, but it, it does question whether we're heading into a period where they would uh, consider regulating the industry. I mean, parents can only safeguard their children for so long. Um, And I mean, eventually it's going to be used by the next generation in the ways they most see fit. So if you want to add that little twist of demographics and multi-generational dynamics and how that plays into the whole equation, uh, you you see boomers who are trying to stay relevant and keep viable within the job force. You see mm-hmm. the Gen Xers now starting to assume wealth and, and start to lead companies into the, into the next decade or two. Mm-hmm. You see the millennials, the, the, much, the much maligned millennials, it seems. Uh, there, there, there isn't uh, you, uh, hardly a day goes by where I don't see a new piece written about the millennials and their impact on society over the course of the next several decades. So you, you now, and then the Gen Z uh, folks coming up behind them. I mean, every generation is going to affix its own DNA to it and drive it forward in the best way that they think. And we hope that they have the vision and the leadership to take these changes that are being talked about right now and make them reality. Uh, cyber security. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the whole piece of staying private and secure on these sites and still being able to do what we want on them. That's key. That's, that's mm-hmm. essential to the survival of of ideas and commerce and um, just making sure we have what we need to be advanced technologically over the over the course of the growth of uh, in the 2020s as we take yeah. this the we 20s, take this yeah, as a precipice of the 2020s. How about the, that? The Try 20, that on yeah, guys. yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, you know, in in, in a couple of weeks, we've got a uh, 2020 vision for the 20s and beyond shows to kick off the um, the 2020s. And it's, it's, it is remarkable to me that you know we've we've been through the decade of the 2000s and the decade of the 2010s now, because when I when I hear you know 1990, I don't think of that as 30 years ago. You know, that seems like it should be more recent than that. But uh, well, time uh, flies time, time when you're goes, when you're. When you're having fun, that's right. It it sure does. There and, you you know, go. That, which, which reminds me, we're coming we're coming right up on a break here, and so uh, stick with us. We'll be back uh, on the other side of sixty seconds with JD Gershbein and uh, the uh, evolution of social media. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. 
Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Brave Hearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the Mission Specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about the evolution of social media. Connect with us on our sponsor website, braveheartsforkids.org. Uh, also, you know, the, a great sponsor of uh, Brave Hearts for Kids is the NationalDayCalendar.com. You know, and uh, going into the third segment, I always always bring up what the today's national days are. And uh, December twenty third, we have Festivus, Forefathers Day, Pfeffernus Day, and Roots Day. Now, Pfeffernus is spelled with a P, but otherwise, you got a lot of F sounds in the. Uh, in the 23rd of December, Festivus, Forefathers Day, Pfeffernus, and Roots Day here, the 23rd of December. So, uh, talking with J.D. Gershbein about the evolution of social media, and at, at one time, I suppose the uh, the you know the social media um, a, a big evolution was the printing press, and that allowed mm-hmm. people to com- communicate in ways that had had never been done before. Uh, you know, before that mm-hmm. was uh, was always the uh, the copying of books by hand, and uh, mm-hmm. man, what a change that was. And uh, you, you you know you you'd mentioned that you know you could go back even further than that to uh, talk about social media. You know that probably the the evolution of language, and uh, you know the well if the, you if you go back even further than that, Brian, you mm-hmm. you can you can even talk about. Prehistoric times, and I, okay. I share this with a lot of my audiences when we go back to the history of social media, and every culture had some, some form of communal outreach that involved a broadcast of some kind or a communication of some kind that was uh, intended for a mass audience. But when you go back to uh, prehistoric times, how did, how, how did cave people, how did primitive peoples communicate? Mm-hmm. 
Well, well they, there's, there's they, the cave drawings. They, you know, they scribbled pigment on a wall, on a, yeah. on a wall of a cave, the, the great drawings at Lascaux and, and all, of, all of that. I mean, that dates back, I mean, millennia. I mean, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands, millions of years, et cetera. And it's, it's no coincidence that Facebook was really the first social media site to coin the term wall as their homepage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I saw it on the wall of your Facebook page. And that really okay. takes us back to, to primitive art and, and in prehistoric times. So from there, you had things also like cuneiform, uh, uh-huh. uh, which were symbols written on tablets that were designed to communicate in much the same way that you would see information compartmentalized on a site like Facebook or LinkedIn, where each person's thread or post is kind of partitioned off from the rest. And that does mirror the old cuneiform tablets of, say, the 13th century um, AD. So, I mean, you, you really got all these vehicles for storing language and symbols and text and, and, and visual stimuli mm-hmm. so that people can communicate with other people. And now you've got social media that is, uh, again, it, it's really, it, we harvest our thoughts. We are selective about what we put out there, ideally. Uh, some are more <laughs> uh, transparent than others in, in how they present themselves on these sites. But basically, mm-hmm. we're out there. It's attributable to us as an author. And when people exchange with us or en- engage with us, they become respondents to what we post. We have a thread going. This is a dialogue. Mm-hmm. This is a social media dialogue that mirrors uh, those those cave art uh, paintings in Lascaux with ideas that are put forward, with other people responding. And it, you know, it, it's interesting. There, there seems to me there's a a, a, um, a, a longevity, uh, a duration to the uh, to the cave cave art, for example, uh, where now we have uh, we have things that are just uh, they're a communication for a moment, even. Um, uh, even at what is it? Uh, which which of the sites has the uh, the the the, um, the message that disappears shortly after you get you get it? Uh, that's Snapchat or Instagram, um, where you know the the uh, but, but the, we have so many messages. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I find sometimes even in my in my uh, my email, it's difficult to find a message that I know took place. And, uh, uh, you know, even, even when, you know, well, you know, we've, we've had situations, uh, uh, just, uh, doing, uh, our, our email, uh, where, uh, did I, did that, did I send that? Did it go out? Was it received? And, you know, there's always the, um, uh, there, there, there's the, uh, uh, the, the great quote, uh, uh, attributable, I don't know to whom, but, uh, the, the greatest, uh, problem with communication is the belief that it has occurred. And by mm-hmm. just simply by broadcasting, one of the most difficult things about doing a, a radio show is uh, I'm I'm used to talking to people where I can look at people in the eye and 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 get a response from them and and see what uh, see see a response and and hear a response. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- with radio, you don't have that, so you you do tend to uh, or I I tend to uh, look at it as if it were a conversation with a single person. That's my intention with this. Um, I know we we have uh, we have a, a larger audience than that. In fact, uh, uh, Ireland, uh, JD, is our our number two country 
behind the United States for listeners to uh, Bravehearts Radio. So welcome to our friends from Very America. good. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you we had uh, we had mentioned a little bit about uh, uh, talk to you just a little bit about our parents. You know, my dad uh, uh, was a teacher. My mom was a teacher. Um, dad had mm-hmm. a had a had a saying. He would always uh, he he said, uh, if you learn something today, it's a good day. And I always mm. hope that's a, a result of the Brave Hearts Radio Show. And I, I, I always remember that because if you, if you learn something, it's a good day. And sometimes we learn from our mistakes. Um, but um, you, you're a, you're a yeah. uh, you're a teacher, um, and and you're you know and you're highly influenced by your parents too, right? So um, yeah, you know when you're when you're in the foxhole as a kid and your parents are in their respective foxhole as mom and dad, and they're trying to do what's right. And we don't see that sometimes they're doing what they feel is right. And long, mm. long after they're gone, as in my case, uh, you realize that, hey, you know, they really, really were watching out for me, and they yeah. loved me, and they supported me. But they did it sometimes in ways that I really couldn't, see the value or I, I couldn't see the merit oh, yeah. of the lesson. But, but now since I'm long removed and my dad's been gone as we taped this 25 years, uh, a couple oh. weeks ago. And, uh, my mother has been gone since, uh, January of 2004. They both, they both left the earth before the advent of the internet or before the internet yeah. really took hold. And they never got to see me land in this, in this role. And what, what would they think if I came to them, especially my dad, and I said, hey, dad, here's what I'm going to be doing with my life. Here's the next stop on my career arc. You know, my, my dad was a very dedicated man of medicine, a healer, a scientist, yeah. and one of the most prolific cancer researchers of his day. And when you get to his level of medical research, you get to be categorized by the organ you spend the most time in the laboratory on. And in his mm-hmm. case, it was the liver. So he was a liver man, which is a great metaphor because the reason the liver is studied so extensively in cancer research is because of its regenerative powers. Liver cells regenerate, make it easier to study the impact of a carcinogen uh, on the cells of the body. So yeah. that was his fascination. He was, he was really a guy that operated in the, in the, uh, on the front lines of the body's defense against a disease like cancer. And, uh, you know, that's, that's quite a shadow to grow up into. I, I have to let you know. I, I was groomed to be a doctor. It didn't work out uh-huh. that way. I actually, actually made it to medical school, uh, but quit before the end of my freshman year because it was dad's plan and not mine. But what uh-huh. it did was, it again, it gave me a certain temperament doing what I do because I'm in touch with a lot of pain on a daily basis. Uh-huh. And the pain that my clients and audiences feel is that they do want to achieve on social media sites. Uh, in the case of LinkedIn, which is around the business conversation and the business model, uh, professional lives, as it were, uh, these, these folks want to make an impact and they, they really want to be known as authority figures uh, or thought leaders or trusted advisors or innovators or solutionists or uh, just corporate contributors. They want to be known. They want to have a voice, and they feel uh, somewhat paralyzed because of the overwhelming uh, demands of technology. 
So I what the, I do is uh, yeah. I really, I'm really sensitive to that, and and I get that from my parents, who are who are both scientists and both artists. My, my mom painted in oil on canvas. She had a, a very sensitive eye as an artist and really captured detail very well. I kind of get that from her because I write LinkedIn profiles for people, so capturing them, uh, mm-hmm. their essence in a piece that has been shown to impact our decision-making on people uh, in business. You know, I think there's a whole thing that kind of fed in from my parents that I didn't realize while I was growing up. We never do, right? Because, you know, we just want to get by with whatever we can and push whatever buttons we can. But now that I'm removed and I'm supposedly older and wiser, Brian, I can look back and, and see how both of them uniquely contributed to what I do and my perspective and what I'm trying to accomplish in the time I have left on planet Earth and, and how I can be a, a, a leader, a, a teacher, a mentor, uh, an inspiration, uh, a role model. I, I believe in that, and I'm kind of working on the legacy piece and, and just trying to make sure that people feel all right with all this stuff, you know? I think your folks would be uh, pretty happy with uh, with the way that you're presenting yourself and presenting the uh, the ideals and values that they stood for. Um, my mom was also a well, painter, thank you. and uh, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. of, I th- you think of the uh, uh, one of the things that you uh, that you treasure the most uh, as things. And uh, there's a picture that she painted. I took a photograph uh, of a place out uh, in the badlands of Western North Dakota where my dad and I and, and his brother used to go hunting. And it's, uh, it's a log cabin where we'd, we'd stay. It's uh, some friends of my dad's and a uh, log cabin and a little stream in front of it in, in the badlands. And it's just a beautiful sh- picture, photograph. And mom painted it. Mm-hmm. And it's a terrific painting. Very, very realistic. Mm-hmm. And, and it's uh, one of my very most treasured things. And uh, uh, dad was, uh, he, was a, he was a star athlete. He was uh, uh, won the 100, the 200, and the 400, uh, 220 and 440 back in those days at the uh, state mm-hmm. track meet in North Dakota. You know, and uh, so they had, they had these really nice, solid uh, copper trophies that they uh, presented then with the names engraved and the time and the whole works. And so I've got those. And that's uh, something that I have. Uh, that's a memorabilia nice. from from my dad, you know. So um, you know, if if I may, uh, continuing on that evolution path that yeah. we're on with your program here, this is really the next stop, the next junction in all of social media, and that is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And there's a great mm-hmm. onus on people now to be shepherds of their story. Ah. And a lot of pressure on us to tell good stories. And and from a business standpoint, that's what's kind of selling now for companies is people want to know that they're buying into some legacy, some history, some story. They, they, they want to feel comfortable with their brands, cool with their brands, and they want their brands to be a little bit more humanized and, 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 and share that background and that backstory. Yeah. And now I see this more and more with what's going on in commercial advertising, product advertising, um, uh, and, and just in, in watching how people operate these days, they're sharing more. Uh, they're letting people see a little bit more of themselves above the waterline. If it's, if it's the tip of the iceberg, they're letting a little bit more from the depths now start to come up and become visible. 
uh, Ernest Hemingway, the great writer, uh, talked about iceberg theory, which I totally buy into. And that is, he felt that uh, Hemingway did, that good writing should be implicit and that you should, from an economy of words, you should be able to infer uh, what the writer is saying, mm-hmm. if the writing is good, if it's of high quality. And and I think kind of similar to our stories and what we present out there, too, but there's so much that lurks beneath that we don't bring up, that we keep guarded or close to the vest. And the more you're able to move up pieces of that story into, visible, uh, in, into the visible landscape, uh, supposedly, we create competitive advantage. We, we create bias. Uh, we generate mm-hmm. bias toward ourselves and yeah. and our offerings and and our abilities to uh, to do the job, et cetera. But I, I think there's there's so much emphasis on storytelling now that that's probably we're going to be here for a while. That that's where the evolution is probably going to pick up from now. Um, on that point, uh, the great musician Sir Paul McCartney, a guy who was one of uh, one of four in, in the rock group that changed the course of the world, the Beatles yeah. in the 60s, has become suddenly the spokesperson for the Beatles. He is the shepherd of that story. Yeah. And we see him going around now with news correspondents, going to all the old haunts where the Beatles played before they broke, going back to his childhood home. The, the music is powerful in and of itself, but thankfully we've got McCartney, who's who's lucid and terrific and superb behind the camera, sharing all of this great storytelling. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I find that of extremely high value because I want to know more about this guy. I want to know about what these guys felt and what they experienced and what they went through. Uh, the, the music will live on forever as long as there's a, a set of human ears on the other side and a, and a device to play the, the, the songs. But to have McCartney's uh, preservation of this, of this story, it's like he's opening up the vault and letting it just all come out putting himself, yeah. I mean, it's no longer an iceberg. It's like everything's coming up above the waterline. Well, and you know, when you, uh, you mentioned Hemingway, uh, the quote I remember from Hemingway is, uh, write as well as you can and finish what you start. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, I th- I th- and I also think of the Perfect. exchange. I think it was with uh, with Hemingway and William Faulkner at one time, and and uh, Faulkner said, "Ah, Hemingway, he's never caused his his readers to go look for their dictionary." And uh, Hemingway responded, "He says, poor Faulkner, does he really think that big ideas and big emotions come from big words?" Um, you know, his, he's, and, and he really, he he really is easy to read. I mean, the the old man in the Mm -hmm. sea, uh, you know, the the word phosphorescence is in there, but, uh, you know, other than that, that's an easy read and it's like 93 pages, you know, uh, telling a story doesn't have to be, uh, a, a, um, a, a tome. Uh, I think what, uh, what what we're going to find mm-hmm. is that a lot of people are going to have a story to tell. And one of the things I really encourage uh, younger folks to do is to find an old photo album and someone from their elder or grandparents' generation that they can that they can record on video, going through the album and describing who's who and what's going on, because some of that stuff is just so fascinating. Uh, it, it is to me, and it's got to be fascinating to other people. You know. Most definitely, um, I, I, I'm, and, the, and the brevity 
with words and, and and the use of language. And I, to your point about multisyllabic words, uh, again, you you don't want to cloak the understanding of your story because it's your story mm. that truly becomes your differentiator. Uh, I never thought yeah. anybody gave a rat, you know what about my story, mm-hmm. but but now it's my differentiator, and it it really is what got me to the dance, and it's yeah. going to get me to the next dance, and it's really? going to get other people, your listeners, to their dance. So you have to own your story. You have to really embody your psychological narrative. You have to be that person. And that gets to the core of who we are as personal brands and as, as, as uh, the persona that we transmit to the real world. Yeah. And that's the well, interplay of the online world. That's how the online world has evolved. It makes us ideally live up to who we say we are. And, and, and J.D., we, we flew through uh, the, uh, the third segment uh, to the point where we just said, you know what, let's skip the break. So we've, we've gone all the way through, and we're, we're coming right up on the end of the show. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know there's a, there's a lot more to, to, uh, to cover because uh, I, I never did get to the, uh, uh, the part about the, uh, the uh, uh, outfielder with uh, warning track power. You know, that, that's something that intrigues me. <laughs> So, uh, well, that's you know, only I'll, people who are going to read my bio are going to know what that, that, that is. That, that's right. You know, uh, jdgershbein.com, right? Uh, is, is that, is, is that correct? Uh, to, to that's your... one way of getting there. Sure. Okay. I, I do have the domain name for my name. That, that's important yeah. these days. That, that's good stuff. A very well, vital I, piece of social media evolution. I want to thank the audience for joining us this week. Uh, we've been talking about the evolution of social media with uh, my guest, J.D. Gershbein on Bravehearts Radio on the flagship variety channel here on voiceamerica.com, where we are the leader in live internet talk radio. And uh, please remember to check out our braveheartsforkids.org. Follow and like us on Facebook. And also email me at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org and connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, plan to join us every Monday at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific. Next week, we'll be talking about top tens of the tens, my list, your list, the top tens of the decade of the tens. And uh, we're just about done with this decade. So remember that doing good anywhere does good everywhere. And we'll see you next week. Until then, be well. Thanks again for joining us this week for Brave Hearts Radio. Be sure to tune in for another edition featuring your host, Brian Reinbold. The show can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next time.